Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, night fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon and Partners. Since 1993, Gordon and Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust, so contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions. Visit their website, fortheinjured.com, or text 407-913-5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody. Trust the best. And trust a knight. Gordon and Partners, for the injured. This is the Sons of UCF. The number one place for UCF sports with your distinguished host, Adam. Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest. And Mike. You know, last year, I think I said about 30 people in the UCF, sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Now, here are the guys. What is up, Night Nation? Adam here, coming to you with an audio Sons of UCF Extra exclusive. Usually these are video things today, audio only, uh, and had a chance to catch up with Phil Steele, a, uh, a renowned uh, publisher of a, uh, a Bible of sorts, if you will, for college football. He uh, does thorough research, goes through every team and conference, comes up with win-loss records, all that good jazz. We've had him on the show in the past. Lucky enough to catch up with him again this uh, this time around, and we'll talk some UCF. We'll talk some American Conference. We'll also talk some uh, some Big Twelve foreshadowing for next year as well. So uh, Phil Steele will come up in a second. Do us one favor, though: make sure you're following along with everything we're doing at Sons of UCF on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to that YouTube channel. A nice video out this morning on uh, on women's soccer. You want to take a look at it's a pretty cool feature by Trace. Uh, Nice edited production. We appreciate your uh, you putting your eyes on that as well. But uh, let me get out of the way and let me bring in um, a legend in college football, Mr. Phil Steele. All right, now we bring in Phil Steele again. Uh, Phil, first off, thanks so much for coming back on with us. You were on with us last year. We loved talking with you. So glad to have you back for another year. Yeah, definitely. I always always enjoy talking to UCF football. Well, let's start off bigger picture, uh, and we'll get into UCF. Your your uh, your magazine, your legendary magazine, the Phil Steele College Football Preview Mag, three hundred and fifty plus pages. Phil, you do it year in and year out. For those who don't know, quickly walk us through your process. How do you go about preparing a, a behemoth of a document like this with all the research that goes into it? Yeah, and it's it's changed a little bit with the transfer portal. Now we have to update the power ratings almost on a daily basis with players coming and going. 
through the majority of the spring. Uh, the good news is this year the transfer portal closed on May the uh, 1st, and uh, so we went to the press on June 8th. We were able to capture almost all of the moves that happened in the transfer portal. But walking you through the process, it's a seven-month process. It starts the Sunday after Thanksgiving. You know, I've just watched every game for the entire season, and then I go through the first write-through of the magazine, which is the postseason write-through. And to give you an example from this past year, I'm going to use USC. USC, after I did the postseason write-through, is middle of the road in the Pac-12 South. And what I mean by postseason write-through is I uh, read through every article that was written about the team the entire year. I just watched them. Now I've relived the entire season, go through all the ebbs and flows of each position, and then I write each position. I say, okay, what kind of shape are they heading in last year? What happened? What kind of shape are they heading in the next year? And at that point, USC was middle of the road in the Pac-12 South. The second write-through process happens pre-spring. We get the rosters now for the spring. Uh, We get in the freshmen that have signed since the first write-through process, and we adjust the ratings. And USC moved up a little, but not much. And then the third write-through process is after I talk to the head coaches. And this year I talked to 120 Mm -hmm. of the 131 head coaches out there. So I'm on the phone with Coach Lincoln Riley. Ironically, the day they signed Jordan Addison, now all of a sudden the USC roster looks like Caleb Williams is your starting quarterback, my number one QB out of high school last year who started Oklahoma in the second half of the year and knows the offense in and out. Mario Williams, my number two rated wide receiver out of high school last year, starred or signed at Oklahoma and did well. Uh, they brought in the Blitnikoff winner and Jordan Addison, a wide receiver, Travis Dye, a 1,000-yard rusher from Oregon. And when I talked to Coach Riley, one of my concerns was the offensive line, but he told me he really liked the top-end experience and didn't expect to inherit this much talent. Defensively, he brought in 12 or 13 transfers, including a guy like Shane Lee, who started 13 games as a true frosh at Alabama, of all places. Now, all of a sudden, USC vaulted to my number one most improved team in the country, and I had them second in the Pac-12 South behind a loaded Utah. So that gives you an example. We write it in a three-month process, and it takes about seven months to write this thing. Okay, you can find uh, Phil's magazine. You go to uh, your website, philsteel.com. You can follow him on Twitter at philsteel042. Digital copies are available. Print copies are available. Uh, and you want to pick that up again. It's the, the most comprehensive college football magazine there is out there, Phil. But let's transition to UCF for a second, right? So I know you, you've got some really good th- thoughts on UCF 2022, but I want to start with UCF 2021. Uh, obviously, a rash of injuries kind of took hold of the Knights in 2021. As you went back and watched that film, watched all those games from last year, what did you see from that 2021 UCF squad? Well, I saw an explosive team the first three weeks of the season when they averaged uh, 45 points per game, 554 yards per game. And then Dylan Gabriel got injured. And, you know, when you take a freshman quarterback and throw him into the fire like Mikey Keene did last year, you're going to expect some ups and downs during the course of the year. And all of a sudden in the last nine games, UCF averaged just 28 points per game and 357 yards per game. So that's one thing I saw. Uh, another one would be, as you mentioned, it wasn't just the quarterback position that was hit hard with injuries. It was the majority of the team. In fact, UCF was among my nation's leaders in starts lost last year. Generally, that bodes well for a team the next year because you get the injured players back, and then players that were thrown into the fire are also back and have more experience than you would expect. So it was a, a rocky couple of games I thought the Louisville game I mean what a turnover at the end of the game I get an interception it looks like UCF's going to win next thing you know interception on the next play and it's a seven-point loss and you lose your starting quarterback at the end of the game Uh, the Navy game could have gone either way 
ended up being a four-point loss. Uh, the Cincinnati and SMU games on the road, I thought it was just a depleted roster taking out very good explosive teams uh, on the road, which were, were the cause of those. But overall, I think UCF uh, did probably as good as you could expect uh, due to the injuries. Yeah, I think a lot of us were encouraged by the, the bowl victory against Florida and the Gasparilla Bowl. I mean, UCF played really well. Had a lot of guys back, Isaiah Bowser, namely, back in that game. When you watched the Gasparilla Bowl, did you kind of see, you know, to your point, uh, injuries kind of, of, of subsiding for UCF and understand what that trajectory might look like when you saw how they played the Gators? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you look at UCF, uh, you know, when I went over the team with Coach, Coach Malzahn last year, it seemed like he brought in 10 or 11 Power 5 transfers. And what do you do this year? brought in another 10 or 11 Power 5 transfers, plus they get back the players that were forced to play last year, plus the injured players back. This is a UCF team that's very dangerous. In fact, uh, I rate them my number one group of five team out there this year. Yeah. Well, you, you write the offense, too. You have a, a statistical measure to kind of understand the offense. You, you have them potentially um, scoring somewhere up up in the 40 points per game range. But I, th- I think um, you know UCF's embroiled in a, in a QB controversy now. John Rice Plumlee's coming in. Didn't play quarterback last year, but coming uh, coming from Ole Miss, obviously Mikey Keene. How does your evaluation change if it's John Rice Plumley or Mikey Keene at quarterback for UCF? Well, you know, the good news is that uh, if Mikey Keene wins a job this year, it's not going to be Mikey Keene of last year. Last year's Mikey Keene was a, a true freshman quarterback that was thrown into the fire. And, uh, you know, so he's going to take some lumps in that respect. This year, I mean, now he's a guy that's led the team to nine wins last year. Uh, or, you know, led them to the the wins that they did get in the second half of the year. He's bigger, he's stronger, and I think his teammates have confidence in him. John Rice Plumley, while he was playing wide receiver last year, I just go back to 2019, watching this guy play at, at Ole Miss and it's the eight games he started. He is an athlete. He can take off and run. He's one of the fastest players on the field. And when you're trying to defense John Rice Plumley, he can go score a touchdown on you. You don't have a spy, and even if you have a spy, you can likely outrun that spy. So he's very dangerous. Uh, you know, his frost year in in the SEC was phenomenal, and uh, I think he can have that type of year this year. So I, I do think Plumley wins a job, but no matter who wins a job, it's vastly improved quarterback play over what they had the last ten games last year. And in your uh, your preseason uh, poll that you put out, you have UCF ranked number seventeen, uh, which is uh, which is pretty high, higher than a lot of other folks have them. What did you, what did you see from UCF that you like that gave you confidence to slot them in at number seventeen? Yeah, just look at each position. I mean, I like the quarterback spot. I have them in my top units. The running back spots, you've got Isaiah Bowser. Uh, they also had Johnny Richardson, of course, who uh, was uh, a top uh, recruit coming out and had seven starts in 2020, uh, 2021 last year. Uh, he had in a DeMarcus Bowman from Florida, who was my number two rated receiver or running back out of high school. Mark Anthony Richards from Auburn. It's a deep running back core. Now, receiver-wise, you bring in the top receiver from Auburn to go along with Ryan O'Keefe. I mean, Ryan O'Keefe is a guy that uh, proved last year what type of receiver he is. He's the bell cow, the MVP of the the offense and you know then you bring in a tight end like Kamor Gamble hmm. who was uh my number 14 rated tight end and, and this is a big boy a tight end he, he looks the part played at Florida last year I thought that was a great get offensive line you had in a Ryan Swoboda from Virginia to go along with an already veteran offensive line this is an offensive line that has 132 career starts 
that's a great piece to start. So offensively, I think UCF is going to be explosive, as you mentioned. And then defensively, just the amount of transfers brought in. A guy like Terrence Lewis was my number one rated linebacker out of high school. Uh, originally signed at Maryland, another Maryland VHD. Brandon Jen- Jennings uh, was my uh, number 11 rated linebacker out of high school. They bring in a Lee Hunter on the defensive front. And this is to go along with last year's transfers as well. Jarvis Ware, I think, is a very underrated pickup at free safety from Missouri. He's a guy that uh, I think has NFL potential. Austin Peace, Kobe Perry comes in at safety. So it's a deep team. They go two, three deep at every position. And that's one reason that I like UCF. The other one would be the schedule. Uh, you know, they avoid Houston in ACC play. The, the top three teams in my mind in the AAC are Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. They avoid Houston, and they get Cincinnati at home. And as you know, UCF is 30-2 and two in the bounce house the last five years. So yeah. getting them at home, I think, is big. You see uh, Cincinnati in a little bit of a rebuilding mode. Uh, I can see the potential for, to, for UCF to be favored in every single one of their games this year, and that's why I've got them up there at number 17. If UCF struggles this year, where do you think that'll be? What, what do you think that'll mean if, if UCF struggles um, from a win-loss perspective? Uh, I would have to say uh, I would look towards uh, probably they don't get a quarterback that steps in a place like I think they will because mm-hmm. that was the problem last year, although I don't think that's going to happen. And then a little concerned about the linebacking core. I mean, they have a chance to be solid but I, I need to see it out of the linebacking core. And, uh, you know, you, there are a couple of games on the schedule that could trip them up. Louisville is very dangerous. Yeah. Cunningham, a quarterback, is a, an extremely uh, – he's a playmaker at that quarterback position. And more so than John Rice Plumley, Cunningham is a guy that throws the ball very accurately. So I think uh, he is a polished quarterback of what John Rice Plumley hopes to be. Uh, other possible trip-up games, that road game against East Carolina is very dangerous. Mike Houston's building a solid squad there at East Carolina. They get that one at home. Playing Memphis on the road. You know, I talked about UCF's home record. Memphis actually has one of the best home records as well. That's not an easy place to play. So I think there are potentials uh, based on the schedule and then the uh, the quarterback and linebacker play potentially there. How big uh, uh, is Isaiah Bowser for UCF? You have him on your, your second all-AAC team, uh, a big back, a transfer from Northwestern, got injured a bunch last year. When he was in the game, things were vastly different. How, how big an X factor do you think a healthy Bowser could be for UCF in 2022? Yeah, and I, I think Gus Malzahn uh, summed it up when I talk, was talking to him. He said that when he was healthy, we were a completely different team. And I love that quote. That just tells you how good Isaiah Bowser was last year. And the beautiful thing is they can keep him healthy because they've got the depth of running back now to be able to split the carries and, and keep him 100%. But uh, I love 6'1". I love 225. Uh, he is an NFL type of running back that uh, he almost left. I think if he not got banged up last year, played the entire season, he'd be in the NFL right now. So you got to love that if you're a UCF fan. On the defensive side of the ball, you have uh, you have the the defensive back group rated number one in the AAC, but you have them rated number eighth nationally overall. What do you like about what UCF's put together in the secondary? Well, you start with uh, UCF last year; they finished number twelve in my past defense rankings. And my past defense rankings don't just look at the stats; they also look into who you played, and then. The unit returns basically intact. As I mentioned, Austin P. transfer, Kobe Perry, is a big pickup here. And I'll say this. I mean, he's a guy that was a Buck Buchanan finalist last year, the top defensive player in the FBS. And when I was talking to the head coaches this year, uh, probably by Coach 10, it started to hit me that, 
you know, these FCS transfers are making a big impact. The majority of them are starting and doing well. So I started delving into that with each of the head coaches. That would be one of the, the questions I asked anytime we ran across an FCS dude. And they all said, Phil, it, it comes down to repetitions. These FCS guys come in, they've got the reps, and they're able to play right away. Plus, they have a chip on their shoulder. So I'm expecting big things out of Kobe Perry. And you look at former uh, Missouri transfer Jarvis Ware. He's a guy that has 17 career starts. He missed last year. Uh, he comes in, and I think he's got NFL potential. And everybody else is back from a secondary that was number 12. I'm very high in the secondary for UCF. Yeah, you have Devontae Brown, second team, all AAC. I think that's a, that's a name folks are going to want to keep an eye on. He's, he's a really good lockdown corner. But you mentioned Gus Malzahn. Obviously, you, you've done your, your, your magazine for a bunch of years now. So you've, you've talked to Gus a, a few times, I assume, over, over, over the years, particularly when he was at Auburn. How have you seen Gus change as he's kind of moved into UCF? Do you see a different Gus just in terms of his demeanor and his offensive uh, philosophy? How is Gus different from the Gus we saw at Auburn? Yeah, I don't know if the offensive philosophy changes all that much. I, I think, you know, when you're taking on eight SEC defenses during the course of a season and then taking on non-SEC defenses, I think you can be a little more wide open. And I, I think we saw that when he was at Arkansas State and then we saw that at Auburn at times. I mean, when they had Cam Newton, they had an extremely explosive offense. But I think with uh, with Malls on, uh, probably the biggest difference is then this would be anybody who was in the situation. I mean, at Auburn, he was under heavy fire and heavy pressure. He was on the hot seat list every single year. He was under pressure before him, and yet he still did great. I mean, he, he's got more wins over Alabama than they, the other head coaches had since Nick Saban took over. Now here at UCF, it, it's not the hot seat list. He, he can feel more comfortable at where he's, what he's doing at UCF, and I just think he's, he's more comfortable as well, like I said, anybody else would be in issues. How do you think about UCF in terms of, of the state of Florida? There's a ton of conversation in state about, you know, it, the big three is now the big four. Obviously, you know, you have Miami rated pretty high. Uh, Florida, Florida State are, are, you know, doing a little bit of rebuilding, uh, although they certainly have quality talent. Where do you think of or how do you slot UCF when you think about the state of Florida? Are they two, three, four? Are they up and coming? Where do you see them based on your analysis? Yeah, heading into the year, I mean, uh, uh you know, I think Miami is uh, right at the top with the chance of being doing the best of the Power Five teams. Florida has a first-year head coach, so there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve there. But I, they do make my number two most improved team. Uh, Florida State uh, hoping to get to a bowl game under Mark Mike Norvell. I do think they're talented. Right now, this year heading into the year, I, I have uh, I probably have UCF rated second among the four teams. I believe I'm, I have to double check where I have. Florida rated prior to the year. I have Florida 32. 32. Yeah, so I've got I've got UCF number two coming into the year. Uh, now, long term potential. I mean, Florida can get there easily. Florida State, but I, I love the the situation UCF is in. They have a rabid fan base, a great home field edge. They're playing in the state of Florida. They can attract P5 talent like they've proven under Gus Malzahn. So uh, yeah, heading into this year, I'd put them at number two. Let's switch gears for a second and talk about the American Conference. Uh, when the coaches poll came out, Cincinnati and Houston both featured in the top 25 uh, at 22 and 25, respectively. You have Houston uh, rated number 34 overall, uh, where a lot of folks think are really high on Houston. Where are you at with Houston? What's your evaluation on them, and how dangerous do you think they're going to be in the American Conference this year? Well, their their biggest danger is the fact they don't have to play UCF or Cincinnati, so that's a big plus to have. 
I probably would have been a little bit higher on him had Alden McCaskill not suffered the uh, ACL in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't think he's going to see the field this year. And then if you take away Alden McCaskill, he was their top running back last year. Now they still have to John Henry. They still have Stacy Sneed, who they uh, the redshirt freshman added in. But uh, I'm not sure McCaskill's going to see the field this year. Now the receiving core is dangerous with Tank Dell and Kashawn Carter. Uh, the offensive line does lose a couple of key starters from last year. In fact, they only have two starters back on the O-line. The defensive line loses some players, but let's keep in mind, uh, Sack Avenue was Sack Avenue last year, and they should be just Sack Avenue again this year, which makes that whole defense dangerous. The uh, UH actually averages 22 years old per starter, so it is a veteran team. I think if the offensive line comes around, and the running back position can get uh, solidified, they're going to be very dangerous. And as mentioned, avoiding UCF and Cincinnati in league play is a plus. I don't like the fact they have to play Texas Tech on the road, Memphis on the road, SMU on the road, and East Carolina on the road. I think all three, all four of those games are tough. And then Cincinnati, obviously a college football playoff team last year. You mentioned that October 29th in the bounce house uh, that they come to play UCF. That's going to be one I think everyone's got circled on their calendars. But they lost a lot of talent, Phil. Obviously a lot of guys are playing now on Sundays from that team last year. Uh, What's your evaluation on Cincinnati? Where do you think they may struggle this year? Where do you think they may actually do really well? Yeah, take you back to 2017, my first conversation with uh, Coach Fickle and going through the lineup with him. And I wasn't overwhelmed. They hadn't done a good job in recruiting the previous three years prior to Coach Fickle taking over. And, you know, he he told me he was very confident that he would get this thing turned around. And it was clearly a rebuilding year. Then 2018, the roster started shaping up a lot better. He had his first full recruiting uh, class coming in. And uh, generally, anytime you talk to a second-year head coach, he's going to tell you they're in much better shape than the previous year. They now know the players' strengths and weaknesses. The players are bought into the system. They had their first full recruiting class, and boom, it all took off for them, getting to 11-2, and two, and now they've been dominant each of the last four years. While there is talent heading out the door, and I don't think this year's team is quite up to last year's standards, replacing a guy like Desmond Ritter, replacing their team MVP and Jerome Ford at the running back spot, couple of star running backs and Pierce and Young, and then defensively losing to Majai Sanders, uh, Curtis Brooks, saw in the best cornerback combo in the country with Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner. A lot of players gone, but, you know, Coach Fickle's done a great job building this team, and they still have good depth. They still have good players in the third string, something they didn't have when he took over. So I, I do think they have talent. A lot of it's going to depend on quarterback play. Ben Bryant. Uh, went to Eastern Michigan, got the benefit of playing, and now he's back at Cincinnati. I think that's a big plus, and and there's good talent throughout. So Fickle's done a great job building this team, and that's why even with the losses they have, I still think they're a legitimate contender in the American. You mentioned ECU. I I think that's a sleeper team in the American Conference this year. Do do you have any other teams, any sleeper teams we should look out for? I think East Carolina is is the big sleeper this year because, you know, Mike Houston, when he took over and – I compared East Carolina's first-year defense in 2019 against the defense he had at James Madison, and I would have taken James Madison's defense over East Carolina's defense that year. And he said they were small and speedy on the defensive line. That's not what he wanted. He wanted size in the defensive front seven. So it's taken him some years to build this thing up. But if you watch East Carolina last year, they could easily have won the UCF game. They could easily have won the Houston game last year. 
the South Carolina game, they gave up a field goal on the last play. They were very dangerous, and this year they've got 15 returning starters. Holt Naylor's is back at QB. I love the running back combo of Mitchell and Harris. The offensive line, it's the best group on the O-line that they've had since Houston's been there. This is Houston's best offense and best defense that he's had. And last year, they could easily have been better than their 7-5 record. They are extremely dangerous uh, in the American Conference. And I think overall, there's you know if you're looking for some sleeper teams, you know a team like uh, Tulsa is getting no respect in the preseason media, and yet each and every year they're up there playing uh, strong. And then Tulane coming off a 2-10 and season. I think they get back to a bowl game. I've got them as my number seven most improved team in the country. But uh, East Carolina would be the one that would scare me if I'm a UCF fan. Obviously, UCF will transition to the Big 12 uh, next season, so I'd love to get some early thoughts for you on, on this year's Big 12 as we keep an eye on uh, on, on that conference. Obviously, Oklahoma uh, breaking a new new, uh, new quarterback, new coach. Texas, new quarterback, new coach. Uh, so some unknowns there. Baylor, you have ranked at 14. Who's, who's the team that you think maybe makes the most noise out of the Big 12 this year? Yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, if you take it back to last year, um, Adam, and, and that is that last year – uh, everybody was experienced with the exception of the big boys. And what we saw was Clemson didn't even make the ACC title game. Ohio State didn't make the Big Ten title game. Oklahoma didn't make the Big 12 title game. Heck, uh, Alabama uh, lost to A&M, uh, nearly lost to Florida and LSU, should have lost to Auburn. They needed a miracle comeback in four overtimes. This year I think the powers get back to being the powers. And with Oklahoma, they add in Dylan Gabriel. And I'm not sure if UCF fans remember him. It was a long time ago. <laughs> His name comes uh, up every now but, and again. Yeah, in 2019 he had a pretty doggone good year. And now guess who his offensive coordinator is? It's Jeff Levy, the yeah. same offensive coordinator he had at UCF. They've got a great offensive line. They've got dangerous receivers, running backs. They'll have one of the most potent offenses in the country. And Brett Venables knows defense. And last year Oklahoma lost two games. At Baylor, a team that had the entire team back, and at Oklahoma State, a team that had the entire defense back, and Oklahoma didn't have everybody back last year, and they lost those two games on the road. Well, this year, they get both those teams at home, and if you look at the last three years when home crowds have been in the stadiums, Oklahoma is 20-0. and They haven't lost, and they get both, Baylor and Oklahoma State at home. Mm-hmm. That makes me think Oklahoma's got a great chance of even running the table, but I'll say this about the Big 12. They are good top to bottom. Even let's go down to number team number 10. It used to be automatic for me, Adam. Just take Kansas, pick them last, <laughs> sure. move on to the next one. It's pretty easy. But uh, I tell you what, their head coach, Lance Leipold, this is a guy that got it done at Buffalo. And last year, somehow, someway, in his first year, he took over after spring practice was over. They were 1-8 and eight with their one win, a close one against South Dakota. They somehow beat Texas, and then they were a different team. Jalen Daniels was took over at QB. They went into TCU, had a close loss. West Virginia had a close loss. Nearly went 3-0 and down the stretch. Jalen Daniels is back. Practically the entire team's back. This Kansas team's going to cause some struggles uh, for opponents. I think we're going to see some upsets in the, in the Big 12 because while the top five teams in my mind are Oklahoma, Baylor, uh, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State, you take a team like Iowa State with Matt Campbell, who's back in the underdog role where he thrives, and I think Hunter Deckers can have better QB stats than Brock Purdy even had last year. TCU, Sonny Dykes told me that he felt he was surprised at the amount of talent he had. They were a better team that he inherited than they thought. West Virginia brings in a quarterback in JT Daniels where QB was the difference, and even Texas Tech with Joey McGuire. You talk to this guy, you want to run through a wall. He's a very enthusiastic head coach that has some talent there. So I think the Big 12 – 
top to bottoms, uh, one of the toughest uh, conferences to call this year. Well, and, and you got to feel good if you're the Big 12 ringing in. I mean, you, you mentioned the top three schools in the American. Those three are all going to the Big 12 next year, plus you're adding BYU. I mean, you got to think the Big 12 is well, positioned to, to be really powerful in the coming years. Yeah, and I'll tell you, prior to bringing those guys in, Adam, last year, if you would have put me on the radio and said, Phil, what do you think of the Big 12? I'm like, they're done. Mm. They lost Texas and Oklahoma. They only got uh, eight teams left. They're, they're going to be out of the picture. And now I feel completely different about the Big 12. I mean, I think all 10 teams are on solid footing. And as you mentioned, they get the top four group of five teams added in. Cincy, UCF, Houston, and BYU are all tremendous teams coming in. The Big 12 is now all of a sudden a strong conference, and my uh, outlook on the Big 12 has drastically changed from what it was uh, just after the announcement of Texas and Oklahoma leaving last year. All right, Phil, I'll let you get out of here with this one final question. Um, You are one of the only uh, uh, folks out there that actually ranks the long snappers, Uh, and UCF has a good one on Alex Ward. He was third team last year. He's third team again this year for you, All-American. What does Alex Ward have to do to get first team All-American, Phil? What do we got to do to get a campaign to get Alex Ward first team Phil Steele All-American? Well, the first thing we have to do is I, I can't hear his name all season long. Because <laughs> if you, if the only time you ever hear the long snapper's name is when they make a mistake. And we haven't heard his name on TV, so let's keep his name off of TV okay. prior to the year. But uh, I, I think he's got NFL potential. He's 6'4", he's 240, and there's just so many good long snappers out there this year. But he is definitely worthy of being a, my first team All-American. And naturally, I'm on the uh, Manili Award for the, the long snapper yes. of the year. So I'm, I've got my eyes on Alex Ward this year, and hopefully it's a nice, quiet year. But coverage is big, and at 240, he can do that. Getting that ball back quick is another important thing. We can't have a lot of pressure on our punter, and we've got to have a high field goal percentage by getting the ball back accurately. But he is one of the best in the country. All right, I'll, I'll make sure he hears that and uh, and keeps his, keeps his name out of the headlines this year, Phil. But we appreciate you hopping in. <laughs> As always, always great to chat with you, talk UCF football again. Phil Steele, College Football Preview Magazine, 350-plus pages of just jam-packed information. You can find more at philsteele.com or follow Phil on Twitter. That's philsteele042. Uh, and you can learn more about uh, where to get the magazine, digital, and print versions available. Uh, Phil, thanks so much for taking your time, man. Best luck to you this upcoming season, and hopefully we catch up again next year. Yeah, a lot of fun talking UCF football with you today, Adam. All right, hope you all enjoyed that. Obviously, Phil, very, uh, very complimentary of UCF, has them uh, ranked uh, 17 in the preseason, thinks they can win the American Conference, and a threat to go to a New Year's Six game. That is certainly music to our ears. Always appreciate Phil for hopping in and uh, and joining us each year. Again, do us a couple of favors. Subscribe, rate, review to the podcast feed. Appreciate all that. Make sure you are getting to that YouTube channel at Sons UCF. You can find a lot of great content on there as well. Don't forget live show coming up Thursday night. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have Trace, myself, and Mike every each and every Thursday taking you up into kickoff. So tons of stuff around here at Sons UCF. We appreciate you for tuning in. Everybody be safe, be well, and we will talk soon. Go Knights. Charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.